1: Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kyle Busch relive their run-in at Richmond 10 years ago in which Jr. said Kyle would need security to get out of the track safely. Dave Burns talks with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. about his great run at Bristol and we'll have an update on our NASCAR and NBC Beat the Broadcasters Fantasy League. Hello and welcome to NASCAR America. Chris Davota joined by Parker Kligerman, who knows all of the best restaurants in a 50-mile radius of where we sit, which is a good thing because driver Landon Castle is joining us here in our NBC studio for the first time. And Landon, you come with a great perspective. You were in the race. You've had a top 20 finish despite a lack of tires.
2: Yeah, we actually ran the last 125 laps of the race on the same right-side tires. I did get some new left-side tires. Uh, with that last caution, but it makes it interesting, and, and I went on social media after the race and told my fans, like, hey, top 20 is exciting, but check this out. I ran the last uh, part of the race on the same right sides, and I live for the responses that I get on social media. I got a really good one, this picture. Uh, yeah, there it is of th- th- this car. This is how you drive a car when you don't need well, right-side tires. They, see, the thing is, he's changing his own tire.
3: It's
2: got to be easy enough just get out and change your own tire, right? I, I do think that car is kind of on the banking that you see at Bristol Motor similar, but uh, it it was a it was a really interesting race because the the sticky stuff on the racetrack, let's call it, in the bottom groove, they they really want that old Bristol to be back. But the one thing that's different, I think, and, and that I saw in the race was that it created a lot of options. The, the grip kind of went away. You'd move up to the top. You'd run the high side. Then you can move back down. And for a car like mine, where I didn't think I had the fastest car, I was able to take advantage of that and work my way up through the field. And I saw a lot of drivers using those options to work their way up through the field and make aggressive moves, and it made for an exciting race. And you bring up a good point. And one of the things I noticed, and just from my time being on the, the sticky stuff when we ran last year
3: in trucks is that it kind of makes things unpredictable. And I think that's what helped you guys, and you saw a lot of teams up there that maybe we don't see often because it was so unpredictable. Like, I want your opinion on this. It looked like at times it would lay the rubber down and suddenly you'd see a driver go off in there and he just would not have the same grip he had before.
2: Yeah, so to get even more specific about that, there is like four to six feet of sticky stuff, right? And you could go about 50 laps and it would wear out the middle part of it. And I could move my car down to the bottom 10 inches of it, or even just the top few inches of it. And so it just move you around a lot. But if guys were making mistakes, if a guy couldn't hit the same lap five laps in a row, he might have a faster car than you, like head-to-head, but you could just drive right around him. And then he'd get it figured out, and he'd drive right back around you, or he'd put the fender to you and knock you out of the way. <laughs> we did see a lot of that.
1: And did you feel, too, going in, this is, you'd have an advantage in that sense, going, oh, I know how to work these lines. I know how to work the unpredictability and, and play it to your advantage.
2: Um, well, I have I have driven on the sticky stuff before, and and I have a lot of experience at Bristol. And you know when the High Line is is gonna come in, and so it, it was more like I looked back at my notes, and I and I saw all the variables that I've experienced at Bristol over the past five or six years, and. And my preparation was more in a sense that I think I'm going to experience all of these different scenarios. At some point in the race, I'm going to have to run the high line. At another point in the race, I'm going to have to run my track bar up as high as it can go, make my car loose, and hook the bottom for 50 laps in a row. That's really interesting. Yeah,
3: you know, one thing we saw, Landon, and you probably saw this from your perspective as well, is that coming in this season, we saw a lot of NASCAR promoting the young guns versus the veterans. And at this race, with the unpredictable nature of that sticky stuff, We saw a lot of those young guns up front, including Darrell Wallace Jr. going for the lead, which was absolutely awesome, as you see right here, going past Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch following suit. That was cool. You got Eric Jones, who was running up front until he had a loose wheel. We saw Alex Bowman. Daniel Suarez was up there with his broken or hurt thumb. Mm -hmm. he had fractured thumb, which was impressive. Alex Bowman, as we're seeing right here. Finished top five. Finished top five. It was just really cool to see these young drivers really go up there. And I think this was the best example we've seen of these young gun drivers going up and really competing the veterans head-to-head for the front and maybe possibly winning, which is
2: not something we've seen most of the season. I I love seeing Bubba take the lead, but I got a joke because I was like, did they put the king back in the car there for that restart? (laughs) Because uh, the way he drove to the lead, that was pretty awesome. And I I, want to talk about this. We keep hammering this unpredictability. I think the young drivers took advantage of that at Bristol and just kind of unwarped, unwarped mindset of, you know, they didn't know any better. And, and I, I did see some experienced drivers in the field on Sunday and, and Monday that they were continually trying to drive Bristol the same way we always drive Bristol. And I had to drive Bristol different than I've ever driven Bristol when those conditions were changing. And I think those young guys, they just kind of hammered it into the corner and adapted to their circumstance. And they didn't get stuck with the old ways of driving Bristol. And You know, like we just saw the highlights. It it worked for him. You don't know what you don't know.
1: I was going to say, it seems like maybe you're overthinking things too much rather than just sort of saying, take those notes you talked about, kind of throw them out the window, use them, but then just see what the track does for you. Hey, some news that came out earlier today. Ford making a change in the Cup Series. The Fusion, which has been used since 2006, will be replaced beginning next year by the Mustang. The Mustang debuted in the Xfinity Series in 2010. This is the first time that model will be used in NASCAR's Premier Series. Up next, it's the 10-year anniversary of the Deal Jr., Kyle Busch, Richmond wreck for the lead. They sat down together on Deal Jr.'s podcast to relive it, and you do not want to miss what they said.
4: If it was just, hey, man, I was racing, but you wouldn't. You would get out of the car and go, oh, f- I don't care.
1: <laughs> NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. long beach winner alexander rossi and defending series champion joseph newgarden lead the verizon indycar series to barber motorsports park for the indy grand prix of alabama catch it this sunday at 3 30 eastern here on nbcsn and students in a fourth grade class in yorktown indiana will be watching that's because for each race they pick their favorite driver if that driver finishes on the podium those students get a no homework pass and a trophy for the week now that's a cool teacher Back to NASCAR. Yeah, it is. And we're going all the way back to Richmond 10 years ago. Do you remember this?
4: That 18's going to get under him right here. Here
5: he goes. Junior goes up the hill. Let's see if he can get a bite on the bottom of the racetrack.
4: They'll be side by side down in the back straightaway. Oh, man, that was tight off turn two. Oh, he
0: turned it. No. Oh. Junior, I just
4: tell you something. I ain't gonna go over too good, right now. No, it's not. Whether it's fair or not, he's gonna need some security from all of us. I ran hard and got wrecked.
1: I could still hear the crowd. The two drivers say they've never talked with each other about that race until today. Adding to the complexity of the situation, it was Dale's first season with Hendrick Motorsports, where he essentially replaced Kyle Bush. It was the entire reason Kyle joined Dale for this week's Dale Jr. Download.
4: It definitely was a us against them. You didn't want it to be, but, like, everywhere I turned, there was Kyle. Every- yeah. At first, I think it was kind of me versus 88 team,
5: junior, like those guys, mainly junior. But then kind of as it developed, as the season was kind of going, it was more of like a me against Hendrick Motorsports type thing. Is that right? Yeah. Like, it just became like a, look, you all made this decision, so now you're all going to feel the wrath of this decision. Do you think that made you better? Absolutely. Like, it drove you. I, I No question. I yeah. think anything you can find a fire of, you're going to use it. Yeah.
4: You know? So we get to Richmond, <laughs> and I totally didn't remember what happened in that race up to that point. I had Denny, Denny okay, so Denny's... Dom- boring. Yeah, Denny's dominating. And Denny started
5: to have a flat, and you started gaining on me during that long run. Right. And we both got to Denny at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to go low, and you went high, and we... You made it around him first, and now you're the leader. Yep. And it's, what, 20-something to go, maybe? Yeah. Uh,
4: Denny parked up on the racetrack. As soon as that happened, I knew you had the better short-run car, and I didn't. And I knew. I'm like, man, I'm going to have a hands for it. Yeah, it was a, uh it was a recipe for disaster. For disaster. <laughs> Even in the moment, like, as mad as I was, I knew that it wasn't you turning me on purpose. As a race car driver, you know how to move somebody. Uh, that is not the way you move somebody out of the way that he went down in that corner he tried to get into the corner and I'm not putting words in your mouth but as a race car driver I'm looking at it and I'm going he went in the corner a little higher trying to get a better arc into the corner because a shallow entry on the bottom there it wasn't going to work and he knew that so he's trying as I'm moving up the track he's like okay if you're going to go up the track I'm going to go up the track a little bit and I'm going to get a better angle for the exit. Well the other thing too is like <clears throat> each lap like there was a little bit more. We're trying
5: harder. Yeah, a little bit deeper, more, deeper, Yeah, a little bit deeper, a little bit more. And I'm getting the sense of urgency because I'm like, man, I got to go. Like I better complete this now because I know that if I can complete it now and get out in front of you, I have a better shot of holding you off for the longevity of the rest of
4: that run, which was what, four more laps? Yeah. So we get down in the corner, you know, we get together, cost you the win, cost me the win. I was going to say. I, I mean, both of us got taken out of the lead there. I think the one thing that bugged me was, and this was just you at that age, was when you were in front of a microphone, the things that you would say. And I'm like, God, you know, it's awkward enough as it is that everything that happened between me and you in 2007, then the exchange of teams and where you went and where I went and all those things that happened. But it was when you would get out of the car, I'd go, ah! You know, if it was just, hey, man, I was racing, but you wouldn't. You would get out of the car and go, ah, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what? He got wrecked. You had such a chip on your shoulder. And it took a while so we,
5: did you know in the moment, though, when, when the wreck happened and you got a chance to see it, that it wasn't purposeful? Yeah. He says it in the interview. As a matter of fact, in fact, Tony Urie Jr. gets on there and says, it looked like Kyle got loose. You see, yeah. he said that on the radio. In in your interview, actually in both your interviews, y'all were pretty decent about it. You know, Jr. and I just racing hard there and uh, getting into turn three, you know, from the front end replay, it looked like he come down a little bit. But, you know, it's uh, it's just a part of racing.
4: I was in position for a win and uh, – I ran hard and got wrecked. So you read in the article, though, like
5: my mindset in in that moment was, was like if it was somebody else, if it was a teammate or if it was somebody that I was actually kind of like getting along with, there probably would have been two more inches given, right? Right. An extra shit given. Sure. But in this moment, there was you no given. That's right. So it was kind of like, ah, I got loose. Yeah, whatever. Right. Like you said, you know, so.
4: <laughs> so that from that moment on, super frosty. Mm -hmm. yeah for for several years um the one that bothered me the most i'll never forget it was at dover we always had this media media on friday and i dreaded that every day not because i did too having doing media but i knew even though you don't think i did i did too. I won't name names but there are a couple people in the media they're not there anymore but they would always ask kyle something about me this was probably two or three years after 2008 incident i would me and Tony Jr. had split up, and they asked him what Kyle think about Dale's struggles and his crew chief change. And Kyle said, it's never Jr.'s fault. Yep, and I remember that. <laughs> that was quintessential Kyle Busch at the time. <laughs> that probably bothered me more than anything that ever happened on the racetrack. I mean, r- racing and wrecking and getting wrecked, that's just s*** sh- that just happens. You know, you get turned around get spun out. But that one comment bugged me so bad, I was consumed by our rivalry and i always knew where kyle bush was at on the racetrack and i'm glad that it's over i'm glad that we get along closing thought uh everything i gathered from this whole experience is that there are a lot of assumptions that were incorrect in this whole deal that festered over years a few conversations although they're very hard to have would have helped the situation for everyone so hopefully this whole podcast uh inspires a lot of people to go out and get with their uh, arch rival and straighten do, shit out do you guys want your fans to get along come wouldn't, on Well would it, it wouldn't bother me if they did it wouldn't bother me if they did wow alright well All right. you know what the bottom line is y'all made up
5: and we had donuts and beer I mean <laughs> it's a perfect day yeah. you win the award for that Mike. I know I, don't, almighty. I, was I was thinking m- of bringing my drink but I was like that's dumb let's bring some booze. <laughs> 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 there
0: you go
1: Great stuff. Don't you wish you could hear more of that conversation? Yes. You can. Thursday, a special presentation of NASCAR America Dale Jr. download with Kyle Bush for the whole show. All right. I want to hear your thoughts on what you just heard.
2: Well, uh, two things. You you have um, two very authentic personalities there, Kyle being the very emotional one. But did you notice in Dale's post-race interview at Richmond, the little dog whistle of, Kyle might need some security uh-huh. from here on out. Dale knows his <laughs> junior nation and how to control him. Uh, the other one, uh, do you think that they would have had this conversation had Dale not retired and they were still racing together? How, what did it take for this to truly... Um, happen in this friendship. That weekend. was the part
3: I thought was interesting, and I would say one, drinking beers at 8 a.m. That's got to be a, a mark of friendship, I would say. It's <laughs> donuts, donuts yeah. right? Donuts and and uh, donuts as well. And then two, I just think that it was interesting when they spun it all at the end to say, "Hey, this is inspiration for others to maybe reconcile out there." But I have to think, as you did. If they were still racing, I don't know if this would have gone the way it has. I just
1: know, listen, there was a lot going on there. And we just heard a, a few minutes of it. Like we said, you're going to hear more of that on Thursday. So, and tomorrow, by the way, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We still have Wednesday. You know uh, it's Wednesdays with Dale Jr. But this week we'll also have special guest Clint Boyer joining Junior, Steve LaTarte, and me at the Big Oak Table in Charlotte. So Clint and Dale Jr., that's a recipe for some storytelling Coming up next here tonight, there's another driver we need to hear from on the show today, and he thought finishing top five at Bristol would be the highlight of his week. Today, Ricky Stenhouse revealed even bigger news regarding the stability of his future. NASCAR America is brought to you by
0: Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles.
4: Ricky Stenhouse shot out of the cannon.
0: Stenhouse is second. For, Ooh, oh, oh, he makes contact to oh, no. 17 to Stenhouse. The remarkable
5: thing there, Stenhouse got through without even getting Nick. Oh, catch up, catch up, catch up, catch up.
4: Come on, come on. left fender. Look, next stop, guys. The 17 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. suffered some pretty significant damage.
0: Ricky Stenhouse Jr. comes up, rubs the back bumper of Kyle
3: Larson. Side-by-side on turn two, a battle for the race lead. You
6: know, we were, uh, you know, fighting track position, gaining it, losing it. Go back and forth over the last two days. make for some
1: good racing. Ricky Stenhouse showed a lot of drive and determination Sunday and Monday in Bristol. That fourth place finish was his best since winning Daytona last July. And earlier today, he spoke with Dave Burns about it.
4: Yeah, the highlights did include a little bit of everything for Ricky at Bristol. Uh, but after the two-day event was over, you finished fourth. So that wasn't bad. How would you describe the weekend?
6: Up and down. Uh, like you say, we overcame a lot to finish fourth and to have a shot at, at the win at the end of the race and, and battling with my buddy Kyle was really fun. Um, yeah, I wish we could have finished it off. Uh, but with all what we went through, the damage that we had on our Sunny D Ford at the end of the race, uh, I thought a fourth place finish was definitely something uh, to be proud of and you know, definitely something to, to work for uh, continuing you know each and every weekend.
4: Why are we here today? Lots of colors, lots of people here, Ricky.
6: Yeah, it was a great day, a great week coming off of Bristol, being able to announce our partnership uh, with Fastenal, Sunny D, and Fifth Third through the 2021 season. That does a lot for a company like us. Uh, You know, something that we've been working for every week on the competition side is to just continue to get our cars better and better every week. Uh, These companies are like family to me. I've been with them for so long now. So it's a a great day for us here at Rush Fenway Racing. So this morning, Ford announces the Mustang will be in the Cup Series, which is cool for everybody, but maybe especially for you because you won two championships with it in the Xfinity Series? For sure. I'd love to get, you know, a Mustang back in victory lane. First off, I want to get the Fusions a couple more wins before the 2018 season's up, but, you know, getting back in that Mustang, like you said, winning championships uh, with a with the Mustang, which has been, uh, huge across all of Ford's platforms, especially in the racing community and, and what it's been able to do, uh, throughout its years is, is win a ton of races. And, uh, so it'll be cool to be able to do that in the, the cup series again. Uh, if we had really been on it, we'd have had these in, uh, you know, Ford Mustangs, but, I don't think we quite have that car done yet, at least as far as I know. But uh, you know, Ford's working hard. It's been a huge collaboration with uh, all three uh, big four teams in in Ford, and so we're anxious to get that thing on track in 2019.
4: Now, speaking of a Fusion win, I know Bristol is a very good track for you. Richmond's also a short track, maybe not as good a track for you. How tough would it be to get that Fusion in victory lane this weekend?
6: we had a shot at it uh, the spring race last year and uh, you know we have generally have a good long run car at richmond which tends to pay off um, you know you'll have a couple short runs at the end that uh, we might need to adjust for but if we can get that long run speed like we had last year i think our fifth third forward will be just fine I'd like to get uh, a fusion one of these fusions in victor lane soon
1: Now, Ricky is still looking for his first win at Bristol, but statistically, it's been his best track. He's earned four top five, six top tens, and an average finish of tenth at the world's fastest half mile. All of those are his best at a single track. Now, Landon, you told us off-camera, Ricky Stenhouse was on your radar really even going to bed Sunday and in, into Monday into the race.
2: Yeah I, I always debrief with my dad um, after races so it's unique when you have a half a race <laughs> and then a rain delay and then the other half of the race and um, one driver that we talked about on the phone on my way home from Bristol on Sunday night was Ricky Stenhouse and my dad was like man he is all over the place right now he's got a lot of speed he's either gonna my, this is my dad's words he said he's gonna run top five or he's gonna go out in a, a cloud of smoke and And um, he just about did with the right side damage there uh, when we came back on Monday, which is kind of a running tab I've been keeping. He has had right side damage on every single car he's driven this year, including the backup cars. But there's just something about Ricky at Bristol. Well, you know what? You bring that up
3: about the right side damage. That's what I love about Ricky Stenhouse is that he is always pushing. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he's pushing so hard all the time. And I don't care if it's practice. He's going to. Most likely, or as we've seen a couple times this yep. year, put it in the wall and go to a backup. But he doesn't care, and he, you see when he gets out, and his team obviously knows that he is pushing because they're obviously motivated to go out there and make those backups as good as they can be, to go out and have great runs like he had at Bristol. But I think that's what is, we've really seen out of him in the last year. Since he got those wins last year at the Super Speedways, it's really been a huge confidence booster for Ricky Stenhouse, and we know how good he was back in the Xfinity days, and we've just seen him build that confidence into a way that, yes, he goes over the bounds a little bit, but that's where he's comfortable. He knows how to get the most out of a race cars sometimes by going just a little bit too far.
2: Yeah, and it's you know they have their hard times, but that's what that team loves about Ricky. I worked with him over the past couple of years, having a relationship with Rouse Fenway Racing, and I've we study our data against each other. And my driving style is so different than his, and on a consistent basis, even on a track like Bristol, he will drive it into the corner. 30 or 40 feet deeper than me, every single lap. That does not surprise (laughs) me. Dynamite the brakes. (laughs) And, you know, it causes a lot of torn up equipment, but at a place like Bristol, you can do that to the car and reap the benefits.
3: And I think just real quickly, I think just a little bit that comes from that dirt track background Mm -hmm. he has, where you are really used to just going over the bounds of the car, trying to find the grip, getting it all sideways and gathering up, and he brings that same mentality to a cup car, which doesn't always work, but when he's on, he's one of the best.
1: Well, I know it's a big day at Roush Fenway with those sponsor announcements. A great day for Jack Roush to celebrate his birthday. Happy birthday, Jack Roush, today coming up next yes Parker and Landon are both here today but did either show up for this past weekend's fantasy league and who of you at home tops the charts find out next
0: after dropping the first two games at home Brayton he gets the start the Capitals look to turn things around on the road they're in Columbus getting set to face off against Nick Foligno and the Blue Jackets one of three games on the night and it all gets started with NHL live next
1: that hat earlier was outstanding, by the way. <laughs> it's only been two weeks, but here's where the NASCAR America Fantasy League stands. PJ Racer leads the overall standings ahead of Axeman 411 and Squirrel Bait 3, <laughs> while Rick Allen continues to lead the NASCAR on NBC. Broadcasters, we've been talking youth movement on the track. Where were you guys? I didn't see you guys.
2: This is embarrassing. There, slightly. We're down the list. I Are youthful. I, I'm taking the my dog ate my homework, and <laughs> I was uh, focused on studying for the Bristol race because I was actually competing in the race, and I didn't even make my picks.
3: I might have been better if I just never played at all this past week. If you went with Landon's approach. Uh, Or you know what I've learned? I should just put Landon in,
2: because he beat about half my picks. Did we figure out if Scrollbait 3 is actually Austin Dillon, or do we know who is the the person behind that? I don't know, but I'm going to be reaching out for them for tips later, because (laughs) I need some help after this week. Did you guys know
1: there are 38,000 total leagues on NASCAR Fantasy Live? So people are playing. Great. And don't forget... You need to be with us tomorrow at 5.30, a special time for Wednesday with Clint Boyer. I got to get some sleep because I got to keep these two in line. My work's cut out for me. We'll see you tomorrow night, 5.30.
0: This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings.